The first part of this morning's reading comes from the book of Hosea, chapter 11, and that can be found in your Red Pew Bible in page 757 if you'd like to follow along. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. Skipping down to verses 8 through 9. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am a God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. This is the word of our Lord. And the second reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And then the second part is chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. And those are on page 811 and 812. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the second part is chapter 7, beginning with verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? This is the very word of the Lord. I invite you to keep your thumb in the scriptures. We're going to be returning to them at different points over the next few minutes, but um, children, we'd like to invite you, if you would like to join other children for a very special time of worship together, you're welcome to make your way to the back. Your teachers are moving to greet you there, and we will look forward to seeing you at the conclusion of our service. As they're going, let's, uh, let's pray for them. God, thank you for these children. Your word says that we need to become like them. They don't need to become like us. We need to become like them in gentle trust and acceptance that our Father loves us more than we could ever imagine and that, that he is leading us and guiding us into a way of life. So begin even now, would you, God? Shine light into our darkness. Reveal yourself. Open our hearts, God, to this precious gift that we know of as the Lord's Prayer. And God will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, um, many moons ago, uh, a bunch of us made our way to uh, Seattle uh, to uh, travel and to experience um, the beauty of the Northwest. It wasn't actually relatively too long after um, I had moved here from them. I remember that so uh, joyfully because I wanted so much for my friends to understand um, where I come from, the the, the beauty of the Northwest. And, and so we, we, we took sailboat rides in the, in the Puget Sound. We, um, we saw this amazing waterfall. Do you remember? Um, the Snoqualmie Falls, this gorgeous, thunderous, um, waterfall that just spoke of the glory of God. And then because I'm an ex-youth director and I, I don't um, always use the best wisdom, I invited um, our team, it was senior friends, I invited them to take a bike ride in a tunnel. Does anybody remember that? <laughs> okay, then. Um, and that tunnel, uh, turns out, was 2.2 miles long. It's perfectly straight, so that at the very entrance at the tunnel, almost imperceptible in the distance was this little point of light. Right, this little point of light, and 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 so we just naively thought if you just kept that point of light in front of you, right, then you would be okay, except that you were on a bicycle in the dark in a train tunnel that was only so wide, right, and so we kind of um, biked by braille, which means that we would bump against this wall and then we would go over and bump against this wall. And for 2.2 miles, we, um, we followed that point of light until we came out at the other end. Do you remember? When we came out at the other end, it was like redemption. It was like glory. All of a sudden, the darkness ever, ever so slightly gave way to light. And then, and then we came completely out into the light. And most of us just kind of collapsed right there and said, thank you, Jesus that you delivered us. And we looked at each other and we were covered with soot, right? Because for all those years, 100 years, trains went through there, right? And, and the walls were just covered and, and you could just tell that we had bumped against those walls all the way down there. But I remember, I remember the beauty of, even no matter how dark it was, this one point of light for for many, the prayer that we've been studying together has been that one point of light, right? It might have seemed distant. It might have seemed strange. It might have seemed impossible to attain, right? And, and, and moment by moment, it stretched into week after week, into year after year. This, this point of light guided us into a deeper understanding of who God was. Can I tell you an amazing story about a woman and her experience of the Lord's Prayer? I shared with you a few weeks ago that when I first thought I'd better get my act together and discover who this God was, I began to pray the Lord's Prayer out of a memory from my childhood. I didn't know the Lord. I just said the words. But at the fall of the Soviet Union in, in Riga, in, in Latvia, there was, there was a woman who was never allowed to go to church. She lived in this communist state, which meant that, that her education had been through the communist state system, that, that, 
that the background of everything that was done or said was, was not trust in the living God, but was atheism, a, a religion that said that there cannot be any God but the state. And, 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 and yet somehow this woman came to faith. And when she was asked, you know, was there a church in your village? She said, no, the communists closed all of them. When she was asked, did some saintly grandmother instruct you in the ways of God? No, all my family members were atheists. Did you have some secret Bible studies or, or was there an underground church in your area? No, she said there was none of that. So, so how did you ever come to faith in Jesus Christ? And this is the story she said. At funerals, we were allowed to recite the Lord's Prayer. The one concession of the communists was that at funerals, they could say the Lord's Prayer. And so as a young child, she said, I heard these strange words. I had no idea who we were talking to. I had no idea what these words meant, where they came from, or why we were reciting them, right? But when freedom came at last, I had the opportunity to search for their meaning. I stop there just for a second because more than ever before, we have the opportunity to understand, to seek, to search, and discover truth. But this is what she said. When you are in total darkness, the tiniest point of light is very bright. For me, she said, the Lord's Prayer was that point of light. By the time I found its meaning, I was a Christian. By the time I found its meaning, I was a Christian. When you are in total darkness, it might be physical, it might be emotional or spiritual. When you are in total darkness, even the tiniest point of light is very bright. That's why I love God's word. He... he, he gives us these points of light. If they seem tiny, it's because we're distant from him, right? We're 2.2 miles from him down a long, dark train tunnel, right? But he gives us these prayers. They're points of light. Have you found, have you found these prayers in the Bible? They're so rich. How about, how about Philippians 1, right? 9 through 11, unbelievable prayer. A great gift to you as you seek to deepen your intimacy with God. How about Ephesians 1, right? Ephesians 1, verses 16 through 21. Unbelievable insight into the very heart of God that transcends. I'm not saying that the personal needs are important, but... But, oh my goodness, it opens you up to the mind and heart of God. How about Ephesians chapter 3, right? 14 through 19. It will transform your understanding of the love of God. I could say the same thing about Colossians 1, 9 through 12, right? There's these amazing prayers. How about, how about Daniel chapter 9? Ezekiel, there's, there's just amazing prayers in the Bible that will help you grow deeper in your love for, for God. But probably, unlike any other, there's Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And my great regret is 
and maybe even a strategy of the evil one, is to put something so much in the forefront that you take it for granted, right? And so the last couple of weeks, we've, we've spent trying to unpack this together. And I have a little bit of a suspicion that even, even oh, you got, oh, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer again? I got this last week, right? I got it, right? Did you? Did you? Oh, my goodness, I've been following Jesus for 40 years, and, and I'm struggling to wrap my brain around, around this simple prayer, right? So let's, let's take a fresh look at it. God, would you just give us fresh ears and fresh eyes and, and a new heart, God, to receive this precious gift, God, today, and to be transformed by it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, many of you have been looking at this even more in depth in Sunday school and your private devotions. And I kind of asked you last week, how would you divide this if you were breaking this, this prayer up? And almost everyone, when they first look at that prayer, and it's legitimately, they, they say, well, it pretty easily breaks into two parts, right? It pretty easily breaks into two parts, each one with three requests, or I'm going to call them petitions of of God. The first three requests call our attention to God's eternal glory, right? Verses 9 and 10, God's eternal glory. The last three call attention to our everyday needs. And I love it that God is concerned about both. He's concerned about our everyday needs, but he knows that in the long run, the thing that's going to meet our everyday needs is his glory. And so Jesus, in this, this amazing moment, gives us the essence of what we need for a living relationship with God. Let me just press pause for a second and just, just recognize for a second that, that he's, he's in a culture already, right? And that culture has its standard prayers. And, and, and by the way, they're not significantly different. If we were to go to the synagogue over on the east side, um, they would be essentially praying the same thing that were prayed 2,000 years ago. And, and, and in those prayers were, were very similar things to, to what you would discover in the Lord's Prayer. But as we saw last week, Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter, right? Uh, he's, remember the, his, his charge to us last week? Don't, don't do this to impress other people, right? Don't, don't pray lengthy prayers to impress other people. Your, your audience, when you, when you talk to God, is one. Your audience is God and God alone. And, and, and then we saw last week, they said, and, and don't just use meaningless words, right? And that could mean, in the sense that, and I thank you so much, Pastor Bill, for, for stopping us and saying, let's consider for a second, right? Let's consider for a second the words that we are about to say. Oh, my goodness. I, w- I would have avoided so much trouble if I had done that as a, a youth and even last week as an adult. If I just considered what I was about to say. Thank you, Pastor Bill. And, uh, and, and then let's dive deep into these few words that Jesus gave. Another time, I invite you to look. It's called the Tefillah. It is, it is 18 prayers that the Jews would pray in a worship service. 18 prayers, right? And, and, and I love it that, that Jesus called that down to simple words 
for us. One simple prayer by which we might boldly approach the living God, by which we might boldly approach the throne of grace. So he, he gives us the short prayer, which you could roughly divide in half, that, that focuses us on God's eternal glory, but also on our everyday needs. And, and these two halves have a little bit of a different feel. Have you noticed that when you're praying? Sometimes, again, we just crank through it, and, and we're not, we don't feel it. We don't think through it. But when we stop for a second, the first half feels Oh, gosh, um, majestic. It feels lofty, right? And the, and the last half feels very practical, very, very real. God, this is what I need today. I want to look at that just for a second, and maybe a, a different way of looking at it for you. I want to suggest to you that that first part has to do with eternity, the prayers for the eternal, Right? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has put eternity into human hearts, right? And, and yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God has put in every woman, every man, every child's heart, the capacity for eternity. And, and, and so, in the beginning of this prayer, in those first three petitions, this is, this is what the prayer is. It's eternity woven into our ordinary lives. May your name be kept holy, is the first one. Now, oftentimes, they look like declarations, but in our English translation, we lose the fact that there's a request in there. It is a prayer. God, may your name be kept holy. Now, now, recognize when we say that, that God is the only one that can make his name holy, right? But that we can profane it. And so it is both a request for God, make your name holy to us. But it's also a request that, that we would honor that and keep that name holy. Father, cause your great and holy name to be honored and and reverenced and, and esteemed and treasured, God, in all things, in every person, everywhere in this world, including God, including my heart. Amen. And then Jesus invites us to think deeply about the reign of God. May your kingdom come, right? So many things are implied. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus just takes so many great thoughts and, and, and pulls them down to one brief sentence. God, may you be king over all the earth and may your reign extend to me as well as to everyone else. Cause your glorious, your sovereign, your kingly rule to hold sway without obstruction everywhere in the world, God. Including in my heart including in my heart. And then Jesus takes it even a step further. May your will be done. Your will be done. On earth here, God, in the same way that it's being done right now in heaven, cause your 
all wise, God. You're all good. You're all just. You're all holy will to be done in this world the way that right now angels are doing it perfectly and joyfully in heaven. And God, may it be that way in my heart as well. God, grant eternity in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, there is eternity in your heart. God, I invite you to speak into that eternity. It's the breathtaking part of prayer, right? And, and, and when we pray it, we're caught up in, in great things, in, in glorious things, in, in global things, right? Eternal things. God wants this to happen, and He wants your heart, He wants your life to be enlarged like that, enriched like that. Expanded like that, ennobled like that. That's what God wants. He's growing. He's growing your capacity for prayer. But I love it. I love it too that that God is real. He's authentic. He became flesh. He dwelt among us. He knows our every need, right? You know my name. You know my every need, right? So there's also prayers for the everyday. Prayers for the eternal, but also prayers for the everyday. Give us today. Is that how NIV puts it? Give us today. It's kind of like a double thing. Give me today my daily bread. We're going to explore that in the next few weeks as we, we see the gift of manna to the people of God. Give us today. We're not talking, God, about a bounty of riches. We're just asking God for enough bread, enough to give us life today. I want to live Today, right? I want to be healthy today. I want to have a body and mind that work today. God, can you just give me, can you give us what we need for today? Give us this day our daily bread. We press pause again for a second and just note that, that this is an amazing personal prayer. But watch carefully the pronouns in here, right? Watch carefully because, because it's also an amazing corporate prayer. There's a simultaneous transformation happening when we pray this privately and when we pray this corporately. We are changed, but we are changed as a community as well. We pray, give us today our daily bread. It's a personal prayer for the gifts of God. If the first three were about the glory of God, this is a personal prayer for the gifts of God. God, I can't do this without your provision. But I also recognize that I can't earn it. It has to be a gift from you, God. And then Jesus continued, and forgive us. And this has caused a lot of confusion. Let me read it as we read it and then unpack it a little bit. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's possible. We've talked about it a few times, but it's possible that you're still wondering why do people get confused over the Lord's Prayer? Why do some people say sins? Why do some people say debts? Why do some people say trespasses? Let me just remind you one more time that Jesus is isolating. By using the word here, he's isolating the different kinds of sin. There are some sins that happen when we cross a line. I don't see what I'm going to pick on. I was going to pick on Stan, but he'll, he'll punch me back. If I come up and, and slap Mark across the face, I transgress a line, right? I cross a line. And, yeah, he would have pulled the gun on me. Um, there are sins that are trespasses. Do you, do you hear that word in there? Right? And, and sins of commission, right? 
But Matthew, in, in Matthew, Jesus is also highlighting. He, said, he taught this many times. In Matthew, he's highlighting the fact that there's also, there's also, if I have the capacity to do something for Mark and I don't do it, right? That's a sin of omission, of omission. And that's just as much a sin, right? If you have the ability to bless someone and you don't do it, then that's just as much a sin. And the beauty of the word, as it's recorded in Luke Hamartia there, is that, that, that it encompasses both trespasses and sins of omission and sins of commission, right? Trespasses and debts. So we cry out together to God. God, forgive us our sins. But, but God, we need that grace, right? It's a personal prayer for grace. But it's also a recognition that I can't ask for that if I'm not willing to give it. And so we boldly pray, God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive other people. And again, I've shared with you many times, my favorite, one of my favorite movies is, is the first movie that the Sherwood Productions people made. Remember that one? Darren Flywheel. And the used car salesman is, is ripping off his pastor. I, I say this as a word of warning to you. If you're selling me a car, don't rip me off. Right? And he was charging $2,000 more than he should have for the car. Some of you remember the movie. And, 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 and the pastor buys it. And, and the, the other salesman and the officer going, he's ripping off his own pastor, right? And, and then the pastor says, let me pray for you. I love this. I've used this a couple times when I wasn't sure what someone's motives were. The pastor prays for him and says, God, bless this man. And he's kind of got his eyes half open. And bless this man um, in the same way that he has blessed me. All of a sudden his eyes go, boring, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, and it begins, actually, a process of transformation that is beautiful. Great movie, made with a handheld camera, I think. It was the first one that they made. Terrible movie-making, wonderful story. Um, God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive other people, right? Forgive me that way, God. And, and guess what? Guess what? Uh, God will answer that prayer. He will answer that prayer, and you will know it. It's a personal prayer for grace, but accountable grace. I'm making that term up, but it's accountable grace. God, hold me accountable to give grace as well as to receive it. And then, of course, the prayer for guidance, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, moment by moment, you are directing us, even as moment by moment you directed Jesus while he was here on earth. He said he never did anything apart from you, God. But you led him into temptation. Your Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness of temptation, God, where he was tempted by the evil one. So, God, would you guide us? We're slow. We're slow, God. Would you deliver us from evil and the evil one? God, would you, would you protect us from temptation and testing and trials. And God, if like Jesus, you deign it's important for us and for your glory to do that, then God, be with us every step of the way. Again, I cry out for Randy. God, be with Randy right now. He's, he's tempted God to make his evaluation of you based on his physical healing. God, protect him from that. Surround him. Anoint him. Heal him, we ask in Jesus' name. 
Now, that's the earthly part of prayer, right? Hey, this is real stuff. I need daily bread. I need grace to forgive. I need guidance moment by moment and day by day. Glory, right? Glory and then gifts and grace and guidance. Two big parts of this. But I want to suggest to you that there's, there's even something more beautiful in here. And I, I always tend to speak in hyperbole and get extreme and everything, but I'm wondering if this is not me, <laughs> you, yeah. Um, but this is not the greatest gift here, right? Um, it's an amazing prayer all by itself, just with those six petitions. But if you just looked in terms of those six petitions like we just did, you would miss Perhaps the greatest gift that Jesus gave that day. And it's, it's revealed in the introduction. It's revealed in everything that we've been focusing on in our worship service today, right? These two halves of this prayer correspond to the, the way that Jesus spoke to the living God, right? The way Jesus tells us to address the living God, our Father in heaven, right? And, and again, it's so familiar to us that we lose it unless, of course, our experience has not been good with the Father. We, like so many in our culture right now, are fatherless, right? God is a father to us, Jesus says. And and it, it wasn't the first time, right? It wasn't the first time that that concept was ever articulated in Scripture, Probably 12 times in the Old Testament, the fatherhood of God is mentioned. But something different was happening right here before them. And and I want it to happen in your heart too, right? So many times we think of God in terms of simile. God, you are like a father, right? You are like a father to me. And and sometimes, even bravely, we, we, we move to metaphor. God, you are a father like you are a rock and you are a, a fortress, But never, never before among the people of God was God addressed as Father. And and it was so important that the biblical authors retained that for us. You understand that, that, I'm going to have to wrap this puppy up here. You understand that that, um, Jesus didn't speak King James English. Watch out, watch out, here I go. He probably didn't even speak in public Hebrew. What? Most likely, he spoke the language of the people. You see, Hebrew was was the formal language that was used in, in ceremony. And people might know a few Hebrew words, like you know a few Hebrew words, amen, right? That's a Hebrew word. You know a few of them, right? But, but, but the, in, in, in practice, the people use the word Aramaic. And this is astounding. I'm just going to hint at it, and we'll explore it another day. But, but Jesus, in, in breaking from the tradition of talking to God or talking about God in the formal language of Hebrew spoke to God in the language of the people and not just the language of the people. He spoke to them with, with the imagery of the language too. He used that word Abba. And many of you have explored this, so I don't want to be redundant here, but, but, but it was much more than just someone who begat me. I should have thought that phrase through before I said it. But, 
it's so much more than just a, a biological occurrence, right? Um, there, there, is, there is an understanding of your relationship to your father that can be so much deeper. And, and, and I'm watching it. And <laughs> look at her smile. She's looking at her papa and just smiling. Um, I, I'm getting to see that too, right? Now, I've shared with you, I'm, I'm merciless. I'm working really hard to get to get Judah to say Papa before he says Dada or Mama <laughs> or especially Gigi, right? Because my wife has eight hours a day where she can go Gigi, 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 right? And I only have a limited time to be able to get him to say Papa. I almost brought her a little sign in. It says, Welcome to Gigi and Papa's house. Madeline made it for us this, this Christmas, right? What is this word that he uses? This Aramaic word, Abba. It is a, it is a word that was used of, of mentors and spiritual leaders in your life. So it still has gravitas to it. I don't want to belittle the word in any sense. It has gravitas to it. I have Abbas in my life right now. Keith Hefley is one of them. The, the, the deep spiritual mentors in my life. But there's also this beauty of of this simple love relationship between a child and their father, right? And, and that word is Abba. I don't know if it's fair, but, but I would translate it Daddy, right? Uh, it, it's interesting that in four nations surrounding the Middle East right now, in four nations, they still teach the very first word. They don't use speak Aramaic anymore. They speak Arabic, right, in most of that area, or Hebrew. But the first word they teach their children is, guess what, Abba, right? And then in Arabic, the kids begin to translate. They can't say Abba, so they begin to say Baba, right? And, and oftentimes, they, the term of endearment is Baba. And then, and then in English, sometimes it becomes Papa, right? It becomes Papa, God is inviting you to intimate relationship with him. Where you can crawl up into his lap and say, Daddy. One of the gals that's praying in our neighbor, my neighborhood right around here is Debbie McLean. I remember the first time I was praying with her and she, and she said, um, Papa. And I, looked, I, I opened my eyes, I looked around and said, who are you talking to, right? And I realized that was her intimate word for God. God invites you into that kind of intimacy. He invites you into an Abba relationship with him, right? Father. His fatherhood corresponds to his readiness to meet our earthly needs. That was our scripture from Matthew chapter 7. Ask, seek, knock, Jesus said in the same message, the same sermon on the mount, right? Ask, seek, not. Right? What, what earthly father is going to give uh, something evil to his children? If you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father, right? Your heavenly father wants to meet those needs that went by so fast. As Miranda was reading it in Hosea before, but it's always been there. God has always had this kind of heart for his children but you might have lost it because it was sounded like he was talking to his people, Israel, right? It sounded like, like he was using formal language to them. So let me read it to you again as I have before in first person rather than in third person, right? 
when you were a child, I loved you, says the Lord. And from distant places, I called you my child. But the more I called to you, the more you ran from me. Hosea 11. You kept worshiping false gods. That was that Baal part, right? The false gods. You made offerings to worthless idols. But it was me. I was there when you learned to walk, right? I took you by the arms, but you didn't know it was me who healed you, right? I led you with bonds, yes. But there were cords of kindness with bands of love. I became to you the one who eases the yoke from your jaws. I bent down to feed you. He continues for quite a few verses, but then he comes back, how can I give you up, my child, right? How can I just hand you over, right? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not destroy you. Why? For I am God and not man. The Holy One, there's that word, hallowed, the Holy One in your midst, I will not come in wrath. Beloved, you have a Heavenly Father who's longing to be with you, who's longing to meet your needs. Oh, He's, he's in heaven, he, and we'll explore that another day, um, but He's very near at the same time. Oh my goodness, the Scripture is so rich on this. The very name of God describes an intimate relationship with a God who is in heaven at the very same time right here with us, inviting us to commune with him, to sup with him, to draw nourishment from him and to experience intimacy with him. I'm out of time, so pray with me. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he who had experienced that intimacy from eternity past willingly gave that up so that we might have the opportunity to experience that as well. God, we confess that we have found ourselves distracted by so many things, so many things that have no value or worth in eternity. But God, love transcends eternity. And our hearts recognize, God, Something within us cries out for the love that only you can offer. Forgive us when we treated that love flippantly, God. Oh God, even now at this table, pour out that love on us. We confess that we are broken, that we are sinful in the things that we have said and done and the things that we have not said and not done. But Jesus, we claim the promise that if we will confess our sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So Lord Jesus, we plead your blood today. Come in us. Commune with us. Heavenly Father, we declare your glory today. Be lifted up in our hearts, God, even as we partake of this sacrament. God, we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' precious name.
Amen. Amen. Our servers, please come forward. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, on the night in which the full magnitude of our sin was borne on his shoulders, he took simple bread. And he said to us, and he says to us today, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This bread smells wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm salivating here. Jesus says, I've, I've got sustenance for you that will transform your life. Risk, risk partaking of it. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Christ's life was in his blood and he gave that life on the cross so that you might have an Abba relationship like he did with a living God. Will you receive that gift today? For some of you, receive it anew because we've forgotten. Our minds have wandered. For others, it might be the very first time I trust you, Jesus. I believe that you gave your life for me on the cross. God the Father, I believe that you validated that sacrifice for me by raising Jesus from the dead. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the crucifixion. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that you're coming Again, glory and honor and praise be to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I invite you again to the Lord's table. We're going to receive it today by distribution, which means that the elements will come to you. When the bread comes, would you partake of it? Would you take it? And then when you're ready, you might take another moment of silence like Pastor Bill invited us to earlier. And then when you're ready, partake of that as a sign and seal of God's love for you, for you. You matter to God. Then when the cup comes, if you will hold and retain that cup until all has been served. Again, take a moment, right? Take a moment. But when you're ready, then partake of it. Uh, we'll take partake of it together. We'll partake of it together at once. And then we'll close in worship. Take the simple elements, God. Make them the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. To you be glory and honor now and forever. Amen.